This is the Oanda Podcast. You're listening to the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, where we talk to Oanda senior market analysts from around the globe. And today it is Jeff Halley in Singapore. Good morning from London, Jeff. And good afternoon from Singapore, where it is about to rain quite heavily, I think. (laughs) Now, it's certainly raining on the stock markets where you are. Some really massive falls going on. I mean, the Nikkei, uh, last time I looked down three and three quarter percent. That's a sizable drop. Yeah, but I think definitely Japan's the underperformer. And it all circles back to these comments from the Fed president of, I think it's the Philadelphia Fed, William Bullard on Friday, who said that interest rates would have to start moving higher in late 2022. Now, listeners may recall uh, that the Fed dot plot from the FOMC last week indicated rate uh, rises starting in late part of 2023. So an already nervous market uh, headed directly south. So we saw Wall Street have an extremely weak uh, finish, particularly the Dow Jones and the S&P. Dow Jones is very much full of these global recovery sort of stocks, energy, banks, commodities, uh, that sort of thing. So it suffered uh, um, more than the S&P, which still had an ugly day, and more than the NASDAQ, which only fell, I think, 0.9%. In Asia, uh, the Nikkei 225 is very much driven intraday by large retail flows. And we've seen, uh, obviously, uh, stock markets opening lower in sympathy with Wall Street on Friday. But I believe that uh, the Japanese investors were expecting the Bank of Japan to appear and start buying stock ETFs now. Part of uh, the Bank of Japan's quantitative easing program has included buying uh, equity ETFs, but they haven't appeared today. And I think when they didn't appear immediately, then uh, we've seen a lot of stop loss selling going on and we've seen a bit of a panicked rush for the door in Japan. But having said that, Stock markets are down right across uh, Asia today, notably in Australia as well, which is obviously very heavily uh, weighted towards large banks and resource companies, and they've all suffered quite a lot today as well. And in the commodity space in Asia, we're seeing iron ore falling again as the China has launched an inquiry into prices there, and uh, generally commodities under pressure once again. It's amazing how some comments from a Fed president, who I'm actually, I have to tell you, I've never even heard of him, that kind of effect <laughs> they have on global markets. I mean, is he a well-known spokesperson? No, I mean, these Fed presidents uh, who rotate in and out of the, the voting uh, group for the FOMC speak quite often. And we've got Jerome Powell this week, and we've got a few more, including Mr. Bullard himself again. I think what this is indicative of is a market that is very long and wrong uh, a particular position and that position has been the global recovery trade so long resources long banks um, assuming that the yield curve would get steeper so that long dated bond uh, uh, bond yields would rise uh, because of the global recovery etc uh, etc et and i they've been short us dollars uh, um, and I, I think this the, the world's been long this global recovery trade. And because of the FOMC's outcome uh, last week, and then these comments came on Friday, the market was already nervously long this trade. And his, he was like the, the, the straw that 
broke the camel's back, so to speak, and we've seen some sort of panic uh, selling out of that trade, which has continued into Asia today. And as you said, more from the Fed over the next few days, including some words from Jay Powell. Yeah, we've got Jerome Powell speaking, and I expect he will be as dovish, he will be suitably dovish. I mean, a lot of these Fed uh, voting members on the, well, these FOMC grouping, they have quite extreme views. They're either uber doves or uber hawks. Uh, luckily, most of them are sort of sitting in the middle. But uh, when the market is heavily positioned one day, one, one day, one way, and very nervous with that position, uh, it only takes uh, one comment from one person on a day to uh, t- to swing swing the sentiment and hit the panic button. You know, a few weeks ago, if he'd come out with these comments, the market would probably have completely ignored them or not reacted the way they have. So I don't think this is a taper tantrum at all. I believe this is just a realignment of positioning in the market. That said, I think it could run right through this week. So we could see more dollar strength and pressure on equities, pressure on commodities, etc. We do have a few other Fed speakers, but they look like they're fairly balanced between the two sides of higher rates and lower rates. So uh, we'll have to wait and see what the reaction is to those uh, speakers. It's not a huge week for data announcements, but we will hear from this side of the Atlantic from the Bank of England. Yeah, this is what makes this week a little more complicated, to be honest. It's actually a fairly tier two week. We've got some personal income data and durable goods coming out uh, from the US uh, later in the week, and I'll touch on that in a moment. But the the week's highlight will be the Bank of England uh, policy decision. However, I'm not expecting them to to actually make uh, any noise uh, this week. I, I believe that they're going to have one eye on the uh, increase in Delta variant COVID-19 cases in the UK at the moment, and they won't want to rock the boat uh, on the UK recovery by uh, by signalling that they're starting to think about, starting to talk about tapering as, as, as well. So I believe part of the reason that the sterling underperformed last week was A, dollar strength, but B, because of those nerves about the trajectory of uh, the virus in the UK at the moment. We have personal income, as I said, uh, from the United States and durable goods. I think with the market and the mood that it is, if those numbers come out on the low side, we could see another jump uh, in the US dollar and fall in commodities and equities uh, as more unwinding of this global recovery trade hits. Of course, today was going to be the big day for the UK when they lifted all COVID restrictions, 21st of June, and that's now, of course, uh, four weeks from now. But having said that, we are getting mixed uh, noises from the scientists and from the politicians, some saying we might actually uh, relax the restrictions earlier than in four weeks, depending on the latest uh, COVID numbers and the hospitalizations. But it's very difficult to know what is going on. I know where you are in Asia uh, there are increasing numbers of COVID, which is uh, a worry. Yeah, I mean, for some uh, time now, uh, much of Asia has been struggling with this. Thailand, Vietnam, Malaysia, of course, has been a nightmare as well. They're having a lot of problems at the moment. Indonesia cases are creeping up. Well, they're not even creeping up. They're jumping now after a multi-month lull. Now, there's been movement restrictions, of course, in Japan for a number of months 
uh, Taiwan as well, all of these countries uh, where they'd previously pretty much eliminated the virus, uh, Singapore as well. We have to remember that in Asia, the vaccination rate as yet is still quite low. Now, there's a number of reasons for that. One of them is politics. One of them is wanting to go it alone, but the other is they're having as much problem as everybody else securing vaccines when obviously most of those vaccines are sitting in the Northern Hemisphere. Uh, so, yeah, I think it still has a, a part to play. There are movement restrictions, quite tough ones in Singapore, for example, uh, and I believe in Indonesia they are going to introduce some more as well. So that's added to the sort of negative sentiment across Asia today. So this whole unwinding of the global recovery trade, of which obviously in Asia stands to be a major beneficiary, it's come at a really bad time, so to speak. What's happening with uh, oil at the moment, Jeff? It seems to be immune, to be honest, Johnny. I mean, uh, that one seems to be wearing a big, uh, a big red S on its chest. Uh, oil uh, actually managed to rise slightly on Friday, and it's jumped again this morning. And the main reason for that is because over the weekend, Iran elected a hardline president at the uh, government elections. And he doesn't seem to be too bothered at all about this, um, the negotiations uh, between the major world powers and Iran over their nuclear, uh, nuclear proliferation uh, deal, so to speak. Um, that's removed, to my mind, some of the risk that a large amount of Iranian crude could officially hit the physical world market uh, in the event that uh, they managed uh, to get some new deal over the line and I think that's how the market's looking at it at the moment and we've seen uh, oil uh, running about 0.6% higher after rising about half a percent on Friday. I, I believe that you know, despite all the noise we're hearing in the financial markets at the moment about this tapering and we're seeing all this unwinding of positioning, underlyingly the physical economy in the world is on a recovery trajectory and that hasn't been knocked off course at all. Thus, oil demand and consumption should rise over the rest of the year. And I think it's that physical demand in the oil markets that's supporting oil. And I expect that to continue. OK, Jeff, thanks very much for joining us this morning. We'll speak to you again on Wednesday. A pleasure. Thank you. The Oanda Podcast.